Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is The Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. I'm talking about the past, present, and future of the Cleveland Browns. But I'm really going to talk about the upcoming game between Cleveland and the Jets. The wonderful Jets. The wonderful New York Jets on Thursday night in Cleveland. I really hate the New York Jets. I really do. And I'm going to tell you why. In fact, I'm going to show you why. Let's talk about... How about the butt fumble? Is that a good reason to hate the Jets? I think it is. Let's talk about that. Let's start with that. I'm going to start the show with the butt fumble. Okay. Let me show, share the screen here in just a minute. Okay. Present. Share screen. And here it is. Okay. This is the famous play, the butt fumble, where Mark Sanchez runs into the 
cast iron butt of one of the offensive linemen falls down, fumbles, and then New England picks up the ball, runs with it, scores a touchdown. It was a series of three quick scores by New England, completely destroys the New York Jets. That's what the New York Jets are about, man. I'm telling you, this is what they're about. They think they're the world's greatest team in pro football history every year, and they just really are not. It's really ridiculous. And, okay, so we're back. Um, it used to be that the New York Jets were the, really the cool team. When I was a kid, man, they had Joe Namath. The greatest game that I ever saw still to this day is Super Bowl three, where the New York Jets upset the Baltimore Colts that really were the greatest team in NFL history up to that time. They had the greatest defense, and uh, you know a lot of people think that, oh, the New York Jets were lucky, but they were not. What had happened was that the AFL, the American Football League, had actually gotten tactically superior to the NFL, in my judgment at least, and they were able to dominate the uh, Baltimore Colts, even though the Baltimore Colts had bigger, stronger, faster, better players, the Jets were tactically superior and dominated that Baltimore Colts team. And if you didn't believe that, and by the way, they were 18-point favorites, the Minnesota Vikings did the exact same thing the next year. They were 14-point favorites, and they got absolutely pummeled by the Kansas City Chiefs the following year. Now, it's not a coincidence, if you have an 18-point favorite and a 14-point favorite, and they both get absolutely pummeled one after the other in the biggest game in uh, pro football, that's not a coincidence. So anyway, kudos to the 1969 New York Jets, but these modern New York Jets teams are just sickening. They're as bad in many respects as our uh, 2017 Cleveland Browns teams, and you'll remember that the Cleveland Browns have been worshiping quarterbacks in the worst way. Every year, uh, our Browns used to anoint somebody as the franchise quarterback. In 2017, it was Deshaun Kaiser, who they drafted in the second round. He was only 21 years old and had only two years of real quarterbacking at Notre Dame. And they thought, oh, you know, with Hugh Jackson's quarterback whispering skills, he'll become a franchise quarterback, which is a phrase that I absolutely despise. It doesn't mean anything. And they talked themselves into it based on two good games in the preseason, the first game against the third string, and then the second game against the second string. In the third game that they played, it was against the first string of the opposition, and Kaiser went 6 for 18, 6 for 18, and he passed for under 100 yards and really had a bad game. And they said, well, okay, you're still a franchise quarterback. We're going to hold you out of the fourth game because we think that you're all already tuned up for the NFL. I'm not making this up. That's how dumb the Browns were in 2017. And Deshaun Kaiser led the Browns to an 0-16 season that year. And somehow they managed to not fire Hugh Jackson. They did fire the general manager, Sashi Brown, although I think his basic plan was sound. He overdid it by 
trading away all the veteran quarterbacks. That was a mistake. They could have won at least one game by keeping a veteran quarterback in town, but they didn't. They also managed to trade Joe Hayden, who was a very capable uh, Pro Bowl-level cornerback, and that was not a good football move. They wound up uh, having to absorb $11 million of salary cap charges to have him go play football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was not a viable football decision, I'm here to tell you. And um, when you make moves like that, that gets you fired. All right. Anyway, so I'm not saying that the, the New York Jets are necessarily worse than the Cleveland Browns at their worst, but the Jets are doing now what the Browns used to do when we deserved every bit of criticism that we received. The Jets do stupid things like uh, invest the second overall draft pick in a guy like Zach Wilson, who played in, in the COVID era and played pretty well for Brigham Young University, had some very nice seasons. I think was an impressive quarterback prospect. But like the Browns, they couldn't wait, couldn't wait to put him in the lineup. He was a raw, raw rookie, and they stuck him in the lineup immediately. He's the quarterback of the present. And even though they had massive injuries on the offensive line and they couldn't protect him, they stuck him out there, and, well, you're just going to have to learn, kid. And he got completely demolished. They did their best to absolutely ruin him. And, well, that's basically what they did. They, they had no offense at all, and he was not able to function well as a quarterback, and uh, the results have been disastrous. Now, he did actually win some games. He got you know, better as the season went by but not enough to satisfy the insatiable New York media. And in that respect, I think his job is even more difficult than the jobs of, let's say, Johnny Manziel or Deshaun Kaiser, those great franchise quarterbacks of Cleveland's past, sort of like the ghost of Christmas past. The pressure in New York is even worse, 10 times worse, than in Cleveland, and it's impossible to satisfy the media. The, the coach just has to do the right thing and absorb the blame. I don't know if Robert Sala is up to that job, the coach. In fact, I'll do some some sharing now of some uh, PowerPoints. Uh, Sala, I think, was a really excellent defensive coordinator for San Francisco. And okay, give me just a second here. Let me stall for time because I'm always fumbling with the um, PowerPoint. Here we go. And there it is. Okay, Sala. When he played, or coached, I should say, for San Francisco, was a really scary defensive coordinator. He just really was an undisputed leader of the defense. Was a really stern guy. 
very highly respected around the league. I don't think anybody said anything bad about Robert Sala. His unit was very highly disciplined, very effective in all phases of defense, and uh, I, I just really think everybody around the NFL respected him. He really had a high reputation as a defensive coordinator. Uh, and he had the respect of his players and fellow coaches alike. And he was a commanding presence on the sidelines, just a very confident, uh, charismatic leader on the sidelines. But I think now in New York, he's just sort of lost that. He looks like he's worried and lost on the sidelines. A lot of people say that his body language is terrible. I'm one of those who criticize him. He looks worried. He looks timid, scared on the sideline. It's just awful. And he's just not the same person that he was when he was the defensive coordinator, in my opinion. A lot of it has to do, I think, with troubles on the offense where he really doesn't have the power, perhaps, to do what he wants to. A lot of it has to do with the pressure that's been placed upon him by these these so-called franchise quarterbacks that he's been given and more or less forced to try to succeed with. Uh, first, it's Zach Wilson, and this year it's been uh, everything was placed on Aaron Rodgers, much like the Cleveland Browns have been asked to succeed uh, with Deshaun Watson. It was an all-or-nothing proposition, and Aaron Rodgers had the greatest off-season and preseason of any quarterbacks in history. He really turned around the attitude of the offense, had the press eating out of his hands, and raised the level of expectations just by being in camp and by refocusing the team, had the press eating out of his hand. It really was just absolutely tremendous as an ambassador for the team. Then he got injured after just a few plays in the regular season, and that was that. Uh, I never really bought into Aaron Rodgers completely because I think he's 39 years old and not everybody can last as long as Tom Brady did just because Aaron Rodgers played at the same level as Tom Brady does not mean that he can play as long as Tom Brady did or as well. So I'm, uh, I've been a skeptic. I was at the beginning of the season. I had uh, statistics, you know, that showed, I thought, that, that he was slowing down. It's not that um, Aaron Rodgers was a running quarterback, but if you look at his ability to run, it sh suggested to me that he was losing his mobility and that that was a proxy. In other words, a proxy is a quantity that you measure that is not the thing that you're really trying to look for in terms of production but that it is related to that, and you saw that uh, his body is slowing down, and eventually it was going to, I believe, transfer to lower production from his arm. Okay, first the legs go, in other words, and then later it's going to be the arm. That's what I felt was happening to him. Um, and then here's the comparison uh, about the Jets and the 
Cleveland Browns of five or six years ago. Uh, it's maybe longer than that if you include Johnny Menzel. These are science fiction narratives that make absolutely no sense. That are based upon this notion that there's this revolutionary, transcendent franchise quarterback. It was Johnny Manziel in, what, 2013-2014. Deshaun Kaiser in 2017. Zach Wilson and now Aaron Rodgers are also being placed in that same position. And they're expected to completely transform the offense of the team. But I think, you know, like the Browns, the Jets have some terrible problems on offense. Namely, they don't have a, a stable offensive lineman. I don't see how they're going to get the job done. Who's going to protect Aaron Rodgers uh, if they can't protect Zach Wilson, who's young and very fast, very mobile? I don't see how they're going to protect Aaron Rodgers unless they get some new offensive linemen very quickly in the off season. This doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I'm pointing out what I've already told you, that Deshaun Kaiser was drafted in the second round. Kaiser had some impressive games against backups in preseason. Backups in preseason mean absolutely nothing for the regular season. And uh, as the preseason games got a little bit more meaningful and he started against the first string preseason which even that is not really that significant, but he struggled against the first string against Tampa Bay, and it got worse from there. The, the, the greatest audacity was holding him out of the fourth preseason game, figuring that, okay, he knows everything he needs to in order to play quarterback in the NFL. Let's just rest him. That was nuts. All right. Um See, before I talk about Zach Wilson, let's take a break here. We need to have some, uh, well, we need to do a few commercials in order to keep our organization uh, floating. We're very grateful for the support from our fans. Thank you very much. If you want to subscribe to us on our various platforms, it really helps us a lot, so please do that. And thank you also for our sponsors for buying commercial airtime. And um, we're just really grateful for all the support we've been getting from top to bottom. Thank you very much, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, and we're back. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think, was just way overrated by the draft. The entire community, it seems, talked themselves into believing that Zach was a generational talent based on some uh, admittedly very nice success at... Um, uh, Brigham Young, a Big 12 school, so it does count as major college football, although I would argue the Big 12 was kind of an off, uh, it was sort of an off period due to COVID, and the Big 12 wasn't really that functional as a football power during uh, those years, but nevertheless, he performed very well. He got to play the games that are out there, and he did, and um he didn't get immediate success. They should never have thought that he was going to play great from the get-go. He should have been on the bench his first year, but they can't do that with first-round draft picks. They think that first-round draft picks have got to play well immediately, but that just was not him. I think that if you had left him alone, let him uh, you know, sit back and watch somebody like Mike White like Joe Flacco play for a few games, then he might have done a lot better. But uh, that's just not the way that the New York Jets think. They think that the young quarterback has to play now, now, now. We need him now, now, now. And that just makes me want to hurl, frankly. And uh, then in 2023, they go and sign Aaron Rodgers. They don't decide to get three of the best quarterbacks they can find. Instead, they decide that what they need to do is to have uh, Zach Wilson, who by this time, by the way, they're kind of disenchanted with. And they think, well, man, we know that he's not ready to play quarterback in the NFL, but we're going to get rid of two guys that are ready to play quarterback in the NFL. We're going to get rid of Mike White, and we're going to get rid of Joe Flacco. And the reason is, is that we want to avoid hurting Zach Wilson's feelings. We don't want to have any competition for the second string job. Um, so we want Zach to feel that he is the quarterback of the future and not have competition. I think that's totally a mistake. I think you should always have three quarterbacks on the 53-player roster. I think you should have a fourth quarterback that's a practice squad uh, dude that maybe is not really fantastic, but you need to have somebody there for an emergency. Uh, somebody like, oh, I don't know, P.J. Walker, who can play quarterback, do a credible job, maybe not somebody that's a candidate for the Hall of Fame, but just somebody who can play and learn the playbook. Be, you know, There's a big difference between a guy of average ability who knows the playbook versus somebody of average ability who does not know the playbook. Nevertheless, Jets don't do that. So there we are. Um, didn't have anybody when they needed to fill the void when Aaron Rodgers went down unexpectedly in game one. No Mike White, no Flacco. Didn't want to go back to it. Let's throw Zach back in there. Okay, these things I don't want to... Yeah, I'm ready to go back. Okay. And so we're back to live. Um, 
that's just the way that the New York, uh, the way the team thinks, the way the media thinks, the way the fan base thinks. They just place so much responsibility on the quarterback to completely solve the problems of the offense. They don't know what an offensive lineman is. You know, they did draft Mackay Becton, I believe, high in the first round a few years ago. I'm not sure that they did their homework on him. He's been, um, well, he's had trouble staying healthy, and they've questioned his work ethic at times. He's sort of like, sort of like Zach Wilson, except he's an offensive lineman. But uh, he's really big, and yet he's had trouble staying healthy. So they need to get some guys that are actual offensive linemen that can stay healthy and that can play and protect the quarterbacks that they do have. They need to have quarterbacks that are maybe not necessarily franchise quarterbacks, but guys that can actually play. Mike White was actually a perfect guy for what they what they needed. Here's, here's a guy that can play quarterback and that can throw 300-yard games if called upon. Maybe he's not the, the guy that's going to start and make all pro, but he can play. He can win football games. He can help your team compete. And meanwhile, Robert Sala has done a really good job with their defense. They can be in every game if they will only get a quarterback that doesn't screw things up. They could win, but in, instead they get a, a quarterback plays that results in a lot of mistakes and turnovers, and they wind up actually losing games on offense that could have been won by the defense. That's something like the Browns of 2017 were famous for. So, I don't know. The, that's just their mentality. Something else that really bugged me was a few years ago. I won't mention the sportscaster's name, but um, this is when uh, I think uh, Zach was a rookie, and the sports media thought, oh, you know, it would be really great if we got Zach another wide receiver. Hey, well, why don't we go get T. Higgins from the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, let's just go trade for him. Um, they are, they don't need T. Higgins in Cincinnati. And so why don't the Cincinnati Bengals need T. Higgins? That was the most stupid thing ever that was in the national media. And it turned out that the Cincinnati Bengals wound up going to the Super Bowl that year. T. Higgins, of course, was a very good wide receiver and did a lot of good for that team. And he was teamed with Joe freaking Burrow, who was a first overall draft pick. And I think he did pretty well for himself. Thank you very much. And he was just a little bit better than your guy in New York, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson did not take advantage of a guy like T. Higgins. Just because you're from New York City doesn't mean that you need wide receivers from the Midwest and you can just go take what you want just because you're from New York and us guys in Ohio don't need extra players that we're just a farm system for New York. That makes me mad. You know, I'm not really, you know, I'm a Browns reporter. I'm not really here to defend the Cincinnati Bengals, but the mentality that New York teams can just take players from other teams because you think that your guy is so important 
And our teams in the Midwest, you know, like I'm talking Pittsburgh, I'm talking Cincinnati, and of course I'm talking the Cleveland Browns, that these teams just don't count, and your New York Jets are so important. That makes me mad. And I don't know that, I don't know what's the matter with you guys in the national media that you think that that's a reasonable thing to do or to ask is that Midwest teams should give away players to the New York Jets just because Zach Wilson needs to have an extra receiver. That is really stupid. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow. Bye for now.